Hello everyone, welcome back to my home. Um, glad you were able to join me today. I'm enjoying this study and I hope you're enjoying it as well. I'm glad that whoever's out there that the Lord is having to hear this is, um, is with me today. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh, we're we're studying in Psalm one, and uh, we have seen some really, I think, great basic ABC principles of faith exhibited and spelled out very clearly here in this psalm, and it's been a real pleasure to meditate on these basic principles and how they relate to our lives today. The word is living. Uh, the word is very uh, current. And the Bible says that the Lord is a very, uh, very present help in a time of need. And his word is where we get that, that instruction and the guidance. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get back into the study. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 1. Uh, we've the, at least the, the portion of it that we have studied up to this point, just so that we can kind of get back on track uh, and start from where we left off. So uh, Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we're in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. So we began by seeing in verse 1 the negative, right? What it is that if you want to be in this state of blessedness, of joy, that these are the things that you don't do. We saw the ABCs of what not to do. You walk not, you stand not, you sit not. And it seems that the Lord is very concerned with the direction and the conversation of our lives. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of people try to create this God that, you know, kind of like the God of gods of Olympus. You know, they're up there doing their own thing and they're not really concerned about, you know, what's going on with mankind. But the God of the Bible, the true and living God, is very concerned about his creation. And in particular, he's concerned about how we live our lives. And those of us who he has uh, placed his love upon, uh, we have a responsibility to reflect his holiness, uh, to be a witness and a testimony to others in the way that we live our lives. And there's things that we shouldn't do. And... Um, these are the ABCs of how to accomplish that uh, victorious Christian life. You know, you hear that a lot. Oh, you got to live a victorious life. Well, the victory has already been secured in the Lord Jesus. We just need to be obedient. That's the life we need to live, to live. a life that's obedient to his word. And that has a lot to do with how we live 
and many times in scripture it's described as our walk, our progression. So according to Psalm 1 verse 2, the person, the man or woman who wants to gain this state of joy or blessedness as we were described um, in earlier lessons, they must be separated from the actions, identification, and thought process of the godly. That's basically what verse 1 is saying, that we're to be separate. We, these are things that we don't do. And in, in that, we see a separation um, that has to happen. Um, we need to be separate from those who are against God and his word, described in verse 1 as the ungodly, as sinners, as scornful. Those are not the characteristics that should characterize our life and our progress through life. Um, we started verse two and we examined how the word but in the last lesson was a stark contrast. It made a contrast in actions from verse one. It shows a difference and we as believers should manifest a difference. Now, I spent an entire lesson on who it is that caused this contrast. It's God and Jesus Christ. And I did that purposely because I want all, us to understand that the power to do this, the ability does not come from us. That that ability comes from the person and the work that was accomplished by the Lord Jesus. And uh, he has accomplished this in, in those whom he has chosen. That's the, if you don't get anything from the last lesson, please get that. That this is something that he's accomplished in us. And that he, the, the excellency of the power is of him and not of us. Now I want to spend a little time here in verse 2 um, looking at what's outlined here the but shows the power and who did it now let's see what it is that is our responsibility because we do have a responsibility in our own sanctification there's a sanctification there's a positional sanctification there's a progressive sanctification and there's an ultimate sanctification now positionally we're in christ that's settled, right? God accomplished that in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. Uh, ultimately, we are seated in the heavenlies. We saw that. We're seated in the heavenlies already. We're, our citizenship is in heaven. God has accomplished where we're ultimately going to be. Well, what about the time between those two where we are right now? Well, the, the time between those two, uh, that is our progressive sanctification. So the unique thing about progressive sanctification is that we have a role in that. We have a responsibility um, as it uh, relates to what it is that we're to do uh, as far as sanctification. We, we can't secure it. We can't accomplish it. But we do have a responsibility. So hopefully we'll be able to see some of that responsibility here 
in verse two outline. So uh, let's let's look at this Psalm two. Let's look at it as if we're in kind of a time machine, right? And we go back in time to when it was first written, and we see this gentleman. Uh, he's reading it for the first time. We'll call him Judas Hebrew believer, right? John Smith. And he's reading this and he's learning the same basic principles that we're learning today. They have not changed. The responsibility is still the same. You know, the basic precepts that pertain to God, to the Lord Jesus, they're all outlined in the first five books of the Bible. All the doctrine is there. Uh, as we move through uh, time from Judas Hebrews time up to where we are now, those principles have been illuminated on. So we have more understanding, more application, but these basic truths have been the same um, from the very beginning of when God revealed himself to Adam and moving forward. So it's really interesting to me to see how that the word is living and how it's very pertinent. It was pertinent in Judas Hebrews life when he read it. And it's the same power, the same importance, the same everything is uh, with us. And to me, that's amazing. You know, we write books and it's just a dead book. You know, you can write a book and you read it one time and you know the book. Uh, but the Bible is not so. And I just marvel at that. So we talked about uh, progressive sanctification. Well, I'm tying that in a way to the progressive revelation. Now I'm talking about the progressive revelation of God as seen in that God just simply expands on these principles in every age. This is why the same ABCs that apply to us apply to this uh, Hebrew believer back when this was first written. The word of God is living. So let's uh, keep that in mind as we uh, study his word. So verse two, I'm going to read it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Okay. The delight of the believer. You know, what did it what is it that delights you? So I examine this word. I looked it up in the Hebrew meaning. It talks about it's a, it speaks of a desire, uh, a pleasure, something that you equate a value to. And that's that's pretty telling. It says that his delight, his value is in the law of the Lord. So first we started off with the negative of what it is that he doesn't do. But this is a characteristic of the life of those who maintain, walk in this state of blessedness. They delight, they place a value upon, they find pleasure in the law of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Now, obviously, if you're listening to me, you delight in the law of the Lord because there's no other reason to be listening to me. But uh, and obviously, uh, together, we're delighting in his word. 
But this should be the characteristic of our lives. This should be something that people see, people know us by, that we delight in the law of the Lord. Uh, but is a contrast word. And we see in contrast to the crowd in verse one, those people we learned about in verse one, those who are against God, uh, this person, this one uh, who would enjoy this state of blessing, they delight in the law of the Lord. Isn't that pretty simple? I mean, there's nothing complicated there. There's no complicated doctrine. There's nothing hard to understand. It's pretty simple. Do you delight in the word of God? So to further that point, you know, I noticed I talk to people uh, and people who identify themselves as believers and they seem very ignorant of the word of God. They don't know some of the ABCs that we all should know who uh, are believers, who love the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and I have to assume that this is a willful ignorance because it's not that it's difficult to understand. It's not that it's not accessible to us. The word is very accessible to us. We don't not like in the day of uh, Hebrew uh, believer. And it wasn't easy to access the truth for them. Um, you think about the early days of Christianity. There was no Bible. Um, they didn't have. What we have today, they depended largely on spoken word and that from the pulpit or from the apostles. So we have this in our hands. We have ac uh, full access to the word of God. So why is it that we would remain in this state of ignorance? Um, it has to be related to the fact that we're not giving the word of God the place and the priority in our lives that we should. Uh, we're not valuing uh, the word of God. Like it says that the person who wants to be blessed, if you want to have joy, then you have to, you know, fix your priorities. We have to rearrange our priorities around putting God first. He says, seek me first and everything else will be added to you. Uh, very important for us to understand that. You know, what people talk about the most, I find, is what they are the most passionate about. I mean, it's just natural. That's how we are. That's how we uh, reflect things that uh, that we like. We talk about them. Um, the world is full of things that can capture our attention. Uh, and we have to be very mindful of the fact that uh, God has given us all things to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying things, but we have to be very careful not to place anyone or anything above the Lord Jesus in our lives. And the temptation is there because guess what? Back to verse one, there's a whole host of people that are encouraging us to do just that, to not focus on God, not focus on his word, but to focus on other things. So uh, this is where we get into the progressive sanctification, where we have a responsibility to feed the new nature, right? And not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right? We don't want to be led by ungodliness. 
we want to be delighting in the word of God. It cannot be expressed any more simply than that. You know, the true child of God must delight in him and in his word. Uh, that's how we enjoy knowing him. The, the, the word of God is paints a picture from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Every word paints a picture and illuminates some aspect of the Lord Jesus. And when you put it all together, you have a composite image of his personality, of his characteristics, his traits. That's how we know him. You know, that's how we know him. Uh, we who have been delivered, we who are believers, we have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe, with Jesus Christ. He's our redeemer. And we are able to enjoy him in a way that I'm afraid many of us, including myself, don't fully embrace. You know, this state of blessing is not some mystical, magical thing. The state of blessing is to be in fellowship and to commune with him. That's the state of blessing. That is what we should be doing, is to be in fellowship, to have communion with the Lord Jesus, with the God of the universe. Can you imagine, uh, if you just sit and think about it, it's awe-inspiring that we have this, but we do. And he wants to be in fellowship with us. The problem is us. Do we want to be in fellowship with him? And that's where sanctification comes in because you can't approach God without a holy God, without sanctification, without dealing with sin. And he has given us everything we need to enjoy a consistent and full and beautiful relationship with him. But we have a responsibility to put God first and not to be distracted by all the bells and whistles that um, want to take us away from this relationship, to take our eyes off him. I had a pastor, uh, Arch Brockless, and he used to say all the time, keep your eyes on the Lord. Well, I thought I knew what that meant, but the older I get, the more I understand, yeah, keep your eyes on him. And isn't it sad that we have to be told to keep our eyes on him? I mean, he's beautiful. He is glorious. He is holy and he is love. Why would we take our eyes off that? What does this world have to offer that could distract us from seeing the Lord Jesus to enjoy him that way? So I want to look at just a few verses that I think that capture some of the benefits of what's described here as delighting in the word of God. And I hope you don't mind um, just, just a few verses, just so that we can, you know, better capture what that means and what it entails. So Psalm 119, Psalm 119, anybody who studies the word, that is an amazing Psalm. Um, I would like to study that more in depth and share and for us to study it together at some point. 
But Psalm 119 is a the is a good psalm to kind of capture what's being said here in the very first psalm, uh, in connection with the law of the Lord and those who delight in it. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So here we see something mentioned of being undefiled, right? To be defiled means to be separated from the people, to be separated from God, to be unclean. Um, the word is what helps us to maintain this state of being undefiled. And it talks about uh, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk. So there's a, there's that progressive movement. They walk in the law of the Lord. So not only do we delight in it, but it should be our walk or our life should be characterized by being undefiled. Right. And, and the key to that is the law of the Lord, the word of God. The progression of our life must be in alignment with the expressed will of God. Well, where do we find out the express will of God? From the word of God. It's really simple. We're talking ABCs right now. Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. So here again, we see that, that idea of sanctification. Like how can your way be clean? How can your way be upright? Your life? Well, you listen and obey, you take heed, right? By taking heed according to thy word. Uh, 119.11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Here we see again that attitude of responsibility that by keeping the word in your heart, by meditating on it, by having it to be a part of who you are, filtering your thoughts your decisions uh, through the word of God. That's how you uh, avoid sinning against God because it's basic. If he says, don't eat the fruit, don't eat it. It's just that simple, right? And here it is expressed in Psalm 119. So, so we can see with just these few verses that there is a definite connection between obeying the word of God and sanctification. Now, sanctification means to be set apart from sin and unto holiness, right? You're set apart from sin, but you're also placed in, you know, in a place of holiness. So you, that's that place of blessedness that we want to maintain. The law of Moses repeated over and over again the separation from things that are unclean and to be clean, to be defiled was um, there was to res if you were defiled, it resulted in a separation from the congregation of the people until you were proclaimed clean again. And this is all an action that's facilitated by the priest. They are the ones that you would go to and they would examine you and they would either pronounce you clean or unclean. Well, that's a definite uh here you can see the priests are definitely in the position of uh, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus, in that he's the one that ultimately separates the clean from the unclean. But the point being is that the law of Moses 
repeated this over and over. It was a um, very much a part of the uh, total picture that is given, the message that's given that cleanliness is very important uh, to the God of the universe. So we've seen that the law could not save anyone. That's not even the purpose. God did not give the law to save people. The law was to educate the children of Israel about the sinfulness of sin. The law brought attention to things that otherwise would not be known by the people. Uh, how sinful is sin? Why is cleanliness important? These should have been the uh, questions that should have been prompted in a person after reading the law, right? That's the purpose. The law of Moses made the children of Israel different from all the nations around them. Now, you have to imagine uh, when uh, the time when the nation Israel was called out and made into a people, uh, they, a lot of people knew about them. I mean, Egypt at the time when they before, prior to the Exodus, was the mightiest nation in the world. And these, you know, Hebrew people uh, were able to basically walk out of Egypt with, you know, all their wealth and possessions, and Egypt couldn't do anything about it. And the, the, the story, the people found out about how that the Egyptians uh, pursued them and you know, they were able to walk across the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried it, they drowned. So people knew about the children of Israel. Um, they knew them. And so that established them as a different kind of people. And their God was different. At that time, all the other nations, heathen nations, as you might, Gentiles, whatever you want to call them, they were worshiping all kinds of gods. I mean, Egypt worshiped like frogs. They worshiped bugs. They worshiped all kinds of different gods, right? They had gods many and lords many. Very polytheistic. But this one God, the one true God that the children of Israel worshiped was attested to by the mighty things that were done Um for the children of Israel. So uh, separation uh, and identification with uh, the one true God was established by all these, you know, signs and, you know, great miracles that he did. Um, but it's not just that, it's, you know, the God is not performing great miracles every day. You know, there was, the people needed to be a reflection of who he is, uh, his holiness and his righteousness. And there's no way that you could know that apart from him expressing it in his word. And as they learned his word and they were obedient to it, they became that reflection to the people around them. And at the same time, they learned about the sinfulness of sin, you know. So the law was given for that purpose. It wasn't given to save anybody. But we can look at, uh, let's look at Leviticus um, chapter 15. And you're going to see something of the sanctification, the separation, and the role of the priests in determining uh, things that are clean and unclean. Um, 
I'm going to read Leviticus 15, starting in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man hath a running issue out of his flesh, because, uh, his issue, because of his issue he is unclean, and this shall be his uncleanness in his issue, whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from the issue, it is his uncleanness. Every bed whereon he lieth that hath the issue is unclean. Everything whereon, whereon he sitteth shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening, until the evening. So you can see there's a lot to be said about cleanness and uncleanness and and basically, um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot more here than just uh, hygiene. There's a there's a spiritual um, connotation to it as well. Uh, there's the immediate application to prevent the spread of germs and infection. In infection, if somebody had some, uh, you know, it says here uh, running issue from their flesh. Yeah, you don't want infection so this is the immediate application is yes we want to prevent infection from going through the camp um, in 1860 Louis Pasteur developed the germ theory you know that's where we kind of started learning really learning about germs and how to you know effectively counter them but you know God created germs and I believe that if Mr. Pasteur would have just read here in Leviticus it would have gave him a big jump on the things that he had to learn kind of the hard way. So obviously God understands germs and how they spread. Um, and he was protecting the nation Israel from this consequence. But there's a spiritual application here in Leviticus 15. And that is the idea of separation from anything that might defile you. Because they didn't go to uh, John Q. Doctor to present themselves uh, on how to, you know, deal with germs or running issue. They went to Moses and the priests and Moses and Aaron, who represented the Levitical priesthood, they represented God. They were in the place of all spiritual knowledge came from and leading came from, you know, these two men. And so the the message here is that God is very concerned with you maintaining uh, a life that reflects cleanliness and not being defiled and being separated from anything that could be considered unclean. So we have to see that the the key to this state of blessing is sanctification sanctification is a spiritual cleanliness that's what it is it's being separated from sin from disobedience from ungodliness and separated unto righteousness which is basically in the christian life righteousness is obedience it's that simple the word of God is like water and it washes us by keeping us from ungodly counsel. You know, a lot of times there's, I'm not even going to all of them here, but there's a lot of analogies where 
it talks about being washed with the word of God. Well, that's the that's what we're talking about here. That's the connotation of delighting in the law of the Lord and how that it keeps us from sin. Um, because uh, when we walk in his truth, we are cleansed continually through the obedience to his word. It is just as simple, just as simple as the man with a running issue. Hey, you follow these steps and this is what you have to do. And it's going to prevent the spread of disease. Well, if we walk in the Lord and we walk in his truth, it's going to prevent the spread of disease in our life, the sin of unbelief. That is the greatest disease that there is, is the sin of unbelief. And we must believe God and trust him and walk in his word. So ask yourself a question. You know, why do you get afraid? Have you ever wondered what causes you to be afraid? You know, what makes us to be afraid? Uh, what causes you to get upset? What angers us? You know, if it's if you ask me that, it's going to be that guy who cuts me off when I'm driving on the freeway for no reason and he's driving like a maniac. Um, but really, that's not what upsets me. What upsets me is the fact that uh, how I react to that. And I'm going to react to that guy cutting me off in a negative way if I don't understand uh, that, you know what? God is in control of all things. And that guy can drive as crazy as he wants and it's not going to affect me. You know, that is a godly counsel. My flesh gives me ungodly counsel and says that idiot needs to be taken off the road and blah, blah, blah. And I go down the path of, you know, oopsie, oopsie. I shouldn't have went that way. So um, how do you avoid going down the wrong path? What's the key to success to maintaining this blessed state and keeping your eyes on the Lord? That's what we're talking about. Keeping your eyes firmly fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I think the answer can be found in, of course, the word of God. I would like to see, to, to, for us together, to look at Philippians chapter four. Because for me, this is uh, where I go. This is the word that I cling to in times like that to help keep my eyes on the Lord when things come that try to distract me and you know things happen we live in a world full of hard things and we have a lot of things that are against us as the people of God so we struggle we have battles but the answer is always found in the word so in Philippians 4 starting in verse 8 it says finally brethren Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever is honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That is how you keep your eyes on the Lord. You think on the, the, prefer, the, the perfections that are associated with the Lord Jesus. This is what is being described. Uh, whatsoever things are true, God's word is truth. Whatsoever is honest, well, 
1 Peter 2.2 talks about the sincere word of God. Whatsoever is just. Well, we know that our God is the just and the justifier. Um, these are very basic um, instructions. The, like I said, the ABCs of success here. There's a Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. So basically what Paul is doing is telling us, hey, he's reminding us. He's stirring up our uh, minds, our righteous minds by way of remembrance. Uh, these are the things you should think about. These are the things that you should be focused on. And all of these things are from the word of God. Whatsoever is lovely, you know. To be lovely means that it evokes the pure and sincere love that can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ expressed in his uh, person and uh, confirmed in us by God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the love of God is described as agapeo. That's the highest form of love that could be expressed. And it comes from God. It's unconditional. Uh, it's pressed down and it's running over. That's what we have. Those are the things that we should be focused on. We should, we should meditate on. You know, that's how we maintain this blessedness. Uh, it's, it really seems very simple when you look at it from this perspective. The thing that makes it difficult is us. Right. We make it difficult because we take our eyes off him it says whatsoever things are of good report. Well, that's pretty that one should sum it up because we have a good report. You know, we have the good news of the gospel, the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in him. We have that. There's no better report than that. But. Many times we would rather listen to gossip, you know. Um, the world has plenty of gossip out there for us. The world tantalizes us with different reports that evoke in us fear, um, uh, confusion, a lot of different things. That's that's what the media, I think, is made for. It seems you know you you don't have to any media you look at. It's just full of tantalizing nonsense, you know, but we have much better than that. We have the word of God, the truth that comes from him. Uh, and it's amazing that we would even choose anything other than that. The report of Paul, the apostle that we have, think on this report, you know, that one day soon the Lord Jesus is going to rapture his church and take us and adorn us with clothing of righteousness Take us to a place prepared by his power, right? Of his pure love. It's called the New Jerusalem. It's a city of pure love and worship. A place that will be without sin and allow us to know him who is our bridegroom fully, even as we are fully known. Wow. You know, <laughs> that's what we have. That's the the promise that we have and you know, we should be praising the Lord for that. We should praise him that he's even revealed that to us. Why would we want to think on anything else? 
you know, that is the blessing. That's the state of blessedness that we enjoy that's illuminated by his word. So uh, in Philippians, he says, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, obviously there's virtue and there's praise in these things in him. Uh, here's our delight. You know, how can we not delight in the word? Uh, the one who is so lovely, who knows you and loves you. Um, he doesn't take his eye off of us. We take our eyes off of him. You know, um, I sometimes I write poetry and it helps me to take these concepts and to really put them into uh, a summarized version of understanding. It helps me to understand and I like poetry. So uh, I don't usually share it, but I'm going to share this one. Uh, listen, my love, the one that is mine. For you, I have left glory and stepped into time. I bore the shame and the loss of things to make you that yet hated me my priests and kings. And that's what the Lord has done for us. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing and it's worthy of our contemplation. We should uh, make a place to be able to meditate on the things of God. And that's our protection. You know, that is how we uh, maintain this state of blessedness. Now, in the last part of the verse, uh, in verse two in Psalms, we see this. It says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So the word of God is our joy, our delight. The value to us is seen by others when we give the word the place and importance that we should. Um, in his word, we should be meditating in that and people are going to notice it studying a verse like this you know what takes up the majority of our thoughts you know whatever the answer is if it's not the word of god then we have to understand that it's characterizing our life you know if the answer is anxiety if it's depression is it fantasy? Whatever it is, uh, that's what we're identified as. That's how people are going to identify us. And we want to be identified by and with the Lord Jesus. That is what's important. So if you're a child of God, a believer, you know, who wants to enjoy this state of blessing, the blessing of God, to be in a state of joy, you know, if you want that, then you must meditate in his word day and night it's really that simple you know this is not a difficult thing what makes it difficult is the sin in our lives you know sin will make us to embrace the counsel of the ungodly it will make us to walk in the way of sinners and we'll end up having a resolve that's against god that's how it works the protection against this is to delight in the law of the lord and to meditate on the one who loves you and desires to have fellowship with you 
day and night. How do we do that? We do it through the study of his word. You know, see that value, the value that is in the Lord Jesus and delight in him. That's the message that we have from verse two. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and how that you have disseminated your truth throughout time and that your truth is unchanging, just like you. Um, we, we thank you so much for how that you've illuminated your truth. You've given us so much more than even the people had back when uh, Psalm 2 was written. But you're the same God and you're full of the same blessings. And may we uh, be responsible for the things that you've shown us. And may you work in us this joy and this delight in your word so that we can be pleasing to you. So that we can walk in a way that glorifies you and that we be able to enjoy you more fully. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.